Oh, yes. This is the Hardcore Marketing Show. I'm Casey Cheshire, your host for this epic journey. And today's show, sponsored by Cheshire Impact, on a mission to help people maximize their use of Pardot and Salesforce. CheshireImpact.com. Bam. All right, here we go, man. We're, we're on, we're recording, and I'm excited. This is going to be a good one. It was all I could do um, to hit record because we've been chatting, this guest and I, for the last few minutes about fun things that you'll never hear because they weren't recorded and they're <laughs> hilarious. So um, let me introduce you to him. He is a, well, let's, let's talk about one of the key factors in marketing. One of the key factors in marketing is words, is writing is storytelling, and that's one of the many things that this person does, but really it's one of their specialties, the idea of the written word. Um, and he comes at it as a creative writer, a blogger, an editor, a storyteller, a uh, marketing leader. So currently a strategic marketing consultant and vice president at Market Tree, George Jacob. Welcome to the show. Hi, thanks for having me. Appreciate yeah. it. Yeah. So right off the bat, I know you're drinking mushroom coffee. Can you just tell me I, how I'm, it is? I'm trying it out. It's... Um... It's questionable. It's questionable. So it comes in pouches. It's kind of ground up. It's like a, like a little, like a tea bag. You kind of touch okay. it and then you pour it out. But it's very, um, I don't know. I haven't committed to it in terms of like, they say that you should have like one a day. So it's like you do that and that should cover you for all morning. And I'm like, I can't. Does it have caffeine? Is it, it like, does. Yeah. So it is Plus caffeine. some sort of ground up mushrooms. This one is called Cordyceps. So C-O-R-D-Y-C-E-P-S, which huh. may help i don't know I, I don't know enough about it i just know that it's um it's caffeine and it's slightly faster than brewing a normal cup of coffee so i just went with that prior to jumping on yeah it, you know and does it Practical taste like guy. coffee or does it taste like you're eating mushroom soup uh somewhere in the middle i think <laughs> so it tastes more like coffee it's like it's um but it's got that um instant coffee sort of processed taste. is that so cordyceps is that the mushroom or is that the brand that's the mushroom the, what, the, the brand, brand is called uh-oh sigmatic four sigmatic or something cool. like that this is yeah. clearly not an advertisement for that because we're, we're still the, the 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 ballots are still out no, i'm an opportunist so it was on sale <laughs> that's why i bought it yeah right right um yeah. and so it's funny because i'm drinking folgers instant coffee which oh, okay is like so yeah it's kind of like that it's kind of like that i think yeah it, i think we're in the same space know, yeah i'm not sure if it really tastes like coffee but it's black and it I think it has mm -hmm. caffeine in it. So I don't mm -hmm. think either of us are going to be appealing to the, um, the coffee curators out there with their no. French press. No, and... right, right. We're well, just pouring sludge into our systems and then hoping we get some caffeine out of it, I think, right? Yeah. Like, well, we were saying the takes... show will really take off in what, oh, you've already been, you've already started. So you're there. Yeah. I will catch up. It'll okay. Be the best show ever in 10 Great. minutes, people. Just give us like 10 that. minutes. And then it's going to crash after that. And then you well, I'll come down. I'll crash. And then you, at that point, your caffeine should kick in. And then oh, you can carry the show. I'll put yep. you on my back and I'll, I'll just carry like this, this whole plan. thing this to the good. finish line. <laughs> <This is good. laughs> well, well, hey, man, this is our marketing leadership series, as well as uh, apparently a health show, yeah. healthy drinking habits in the morning. <laughs> uh, you know, like what I want to do is start the, way, the show the way we start every show. Um, after we've done talking about beverages, sure. which is by passing you this, it's heavy, but I ran today. So here you go. All oh, right. this is Thor's hammer. Yeah. Go ahead. Take yeah. that. You got it. Got it. All right. Oh, sort of. Unhanded. Captain America. Now, take Thor's hammer mm -hmm. and smash for me some kind of marketing myth, bogus strategy, misconception that just drives you crazy. You want to like set the record straight once and for all. Yeah. I want to say right now, 
that your projections are probably garbage. So you should probably not worry about hitting them as much as understanding why you're not hitting them or what you can do to, to hit them. You know, so it's, it's, I think right now hitting your projected goal is less important than understanding why you did or didn't. Yeah. Yeah. Things are so crazy right now. It's, it's a different world. And I think we try to get some safety. What with our plans that we made a year ago when this Mm -hmm. wasn't a thing. Yeah. Um, But I mean, what's the danger in that? If we just keep trudging along in the same plan? Well, it's kind of funny because I think that, you know, when I'm looking back on forecasts and I'm looking back on metrics and things that we're doing with clients, um, it's all kind of based on some sort of linear progression or like some sort of fair weather sort of constant, right? Like it's sort of like when you think about any sort of business and how it's going to grow over time, you don't predict something like a pandemic somewhere in there. Right. It's going to kill like 50% of your sales or more. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. So right now I kind of, I've kind of been treating it and I think like it, um, that like the clients that are sort of the most successful at it are the ones that are sort of like able to understand that, okay, this is a different scenario. What are the tools we're going to take to, to move and take advantage of the things that we can? What's like 75% of the way there. Let's aim there and let's move in that direction and go from there. I think it's yeah. a, it's been very much like a toolkit kind of setup. Like it's, I don't know if you're a homeowner or yeah. like, or yeah. So yeah, I mean, studio B right now, this is the coronavirus bunker basement. Okay. <laughs> yeah. I'm sorry to hear that. I'm a homeowner too. And it's, yeah. So it's essentially, yeah. I, would, I would equate it to like that first thing where you, we walk around the house and you have your like Leatherman and like, that's what you need. And then you kind of try to do everything you can do to not go grab the other tools. Like, I think we're in that space. Like, what do you need to kind of operate right now versus like, thinking about it in terms of like getting the entire toolbox, right? Oh, right. Like uh, there's a thousand things I need to fix right now, but just yeah. make sure your Wi-Fi is good. Exactly. Sure your electricity Start. works, right. you've got running water, your bathrooms function. <laughs> exactly. Everything else after that Tool is like kits. bonus. Yeah, exactly. And then, right. But I guess plan on it for the future still, right. but don't necessarily think like you need to. Yeah, I think, I think particularly in like a mature marketing setup, right? So if you have like, uh, you know, you've been doing your outreach for years and you kind of have like a, like a team of people and you have technologies and pay-per-click out there and email strategies and contact database, blah, 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 that whole thing. You built out that entire setup. Right. It's, it's almost paralyzing to think like, how are we going to take that entire thing and move it over here? Right. Versus like right. how, what, what can we just get out into the water here and get some metrics against it and then see whether or not that's working and move forward there. I like that. I like that. And so and you're working with different, different companies, different clients to mm-hmm. help them with that higher level strategy in terms of what are we looking at? Where are we going? Yeah. Um, are there some sort of minimums that you, you should keep going across the board? What kind of things do you see? You mean like uh minimum activities or minimum things like don't what is the what is the the bath the bathroom water and the mm. electricity and the wi-fi for a house what is that in the marketing world what do i you think it's consider? i think it's going to be dependent like so we t- okay. we've been over the course of uh you know the last month or two or however long it's been i'm losing track right i sort of have my little hashes on the wall yeah I'm, you know <laughs> it's <laughs> looks stone, a, like stone yeah stone. exactly it's yeah. like the count of monte cristo I'm kind just of thing thinking that. right Same movie, so yeah <laughs> So it's that sort of setup. I mean, but we're, we kind of like over the course, whenever that started, we started to do like swap, you know, some sort of structure to say, okay, strengths, weaknesses, opportunities, threats, like what do we have to leverage here? So sort of like, and it would be mainly the combination of strengths and opportunities. Like how are we going to apply our strengths to the things that we see as opportunities? 
You know, that's a really good point. Just even go back and say, do, have you done us? I mean, for everyone listening, even myself, yeah. have I done a SWOT analysis of this particular situation? Took a step back just for a second. Mm-hmm. We got bread. We got toilet paper. Now, okay, cool. Let's just think yeah. for a second because I Boom. think we're in go, go, go mode so much, you know? Right. You so say you're like toilet paper, bread, toilet paper sandwiches. There's our opportunity, right? There it like, is. Or so yeah. other way around, maybe toilet paper on the outside. I don't, I don't know. know what toilet innovate. paper tastes like. I'm not sure it would be very nutritious, um, but, uh, but yeah. It's fibrous. You got your, yeah. You're right. It is fibrous. <laughs> if you've got the good kind, it's fibrous though, right? right. If you went cheap, right. it's nothing. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So um, yeah, but I think it's, yeah. it's that thing. So it's, it's more in those sort of setups right? you need like an exercise. It's like a construct mm-hmm. in order to operate. So you can kind of, so you can kind of just like mentally sort of come through it and say, okay, what, yeah. what do we have to work with? And what do we, you almost ignore at this point in time too, and um, weaknesses and threats. Like those are the things that just to be aware of, but you're kind of concentrating mainly on application of strengths against opportunities, particularly in a time where you're really trying to make a shift or you're really trying to, um, like operate in such a strange time. Like mm. what we've sort of seen is a lot of companies that like almost shuffle their deck in terms of like what we're, what our targets are, you know, what we're going to like yeah. sort of wait to invest in what we're kind of thinking of moving out. Like what markets are we really after? Like those sorts of things where you sort of think when you're thinking about it in this like constant space over time, you can, you might say that, you know, like that's a, that's an opportunity for, you know, Q4 of next year or something yeah. like that, where now it's sort of like, well, let's get out there now because that's going to be more likely more of it, like impactful on our business in the near term. And we yeah. should just shift it. Yeah. You know, it's a good point to, to focus in on the strengths and opportunities because and, but my question to you is like, why? Cause I think a lot of us are focusing on the opposite. We're focusing on like, Oh dear God, we have weaknesses and we have threats everywhere. Right. Well, the threats you can, can't really do much about. So like, okay. that's one of those things that you kind of pay attention to and um, potentially even like ignore just because, you know, what are you, unless you want to like sit in the corner and cry for a while, I mean, <laughs> which is fine if you need that. I right? definitely did that the first or two weeks in quarantine. Right. I've recovered since. But. Right. So then you got to shake it off and then you got to like move in some direction. Right? right. So that's the, that's the strengths and sort of opportunities thing. Right. So what am I going to do now that all that, all those tears are out and I'm ready to go. Yeah, it's like it's like that abundance mindset, right? Looking at it as like, well, yeah, you could just cower in fear or what kind of opportunities are there for your business? Yeah. And everyone's got strengths, just like we've got weaknesses and yeah. threats. We've got strengths, we've got opportunities. What are they for you, for your mm-hmm. company, for your business, for your marketing team? And if yeah. you're just an individual marketer, what are the different things that you could do as a marketer to help your company? What are your strengths that we can leverage right now? Mm-hmm. It's, a, it's a great i think it's important to sort of twist that around you know yeah i think it's that thing too we've been saying it a lot too in terms of like if you think about like a product or a service or features and benefits and things like that right like yeah. in a in a new time in a in a time like this there is a sort of like reshuffling of like maybe those benefits that may have been at the bottom of the list in fair weather yeah. times now need to come up to the top of the list and it's just sort of a like in reassessing all those things and kind of reordering all the strengths and against the opportunities that kind of gives you enough of a framework to be able to move forward. Okay. This is our podium. This is our messaging. This is how we're going to position in this time. Let's go out there and, and try to get some, you know, real estate. Let's kind of, let's kind of build, let's build from there. Yeah. It makes sense. Um, and, and it's not even like you're profiteering on it unless you're sending one of those ridiculous emails about COVID right followed shortly there by your pricing list which i hate right. yes. as long as you're not doing that you 
it's okay to see opportunity during this time. I think that's right. You know, sticking people for high prices on face masks or something super dark like that. If you're just Mm -hmm. literally trying to help out your customers even more so now, there's nothing wrong with that. Yeah, it's that thing too. I think we've you've heard it a lot over time if you've been in the marketing function where you sort of have that like being authentically helpful message, right? Like yeah. how can I be helpful? Um, there is that little thing that happens like there's that gray area between marketing and sales where you're kind of, you're being authentically helpful in a way that drives the sale. Like I think in this time frame, there's like, you're just being authentically helpful in the ways that you know it, that you can be helpful. It's strength. That's the strengths part, right? Like what do we do best and how does that apply to what we're seeing out there? And you're just kind of being helpful in that way. I mean, you have people around, you have skill sets, you have, you know, services, et cetera, that can help people right now. So it's just about getting in front of those people. Yeah, it's a great point. Um, being authentically helpful and how you can kind of, you can kind of smell when it isn't. And I just pulled this up on my LinkedIn. I got a message on Saturday from someone mm-hmm. who wanted to connect. And, you know, I want to be open and connecting with people, but then you get so many of those spammers. Yeah. So this guy, you know, he's a trainer and whatnot and author. And so, Hey, what are you going to, what are you doing? Hey, Casey, what are you doing to prepare for the breakout? Okay. Didn't respond right away. Cause it's, yeah. but at least it's not like a, thanks for connecting to me. Here's my nine paragraphs. So, sure. Okay. But then uh, today I got a message saying, I've got an idea to help you get your sales team prepared for the breakout. Mm-hmm. I'm just like, mm. it's kind of borderline. There was a one that <laughs> happened prior to him. I just yeah. straight up blocked him because it was like, blah, 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 blah. And it didn't really, this is, this is like borderline, but I get the sense that maybe it's, he's not, it's just like a program or something. Yeah. Know? It's kind of feels a little bit more, it's very much like um, traveling salesman kind of thing, right? It's totally. like at this, pe- at, at this you know point this where we're- a Sales trainers. Exactly. So, uh, you You're in the bunker. It. Yeah. It's essentially <laughs> like somebody like ringing your doorbell and you're like, what are you? No. <laughs> selling selling encyclopedias right? exactly exactly or like the you know when i was in high school it was cut co knives or you know the people come over cut, and cut co a pen. knives Remember did you ever that? do that did you ever sell I those i did and i had friends that did that yeah so yeah. we had like the handful of things that like yeah. my my mom had bought um to support like local children in their pyramid scheme right it was nice yeah <laughs> <They're> ready, <laughs> we were helping getting them ready to exactly uh, to bigger pyramids exactly it's sort of like those white like remember the white uh like uh candy boxes right like that would always show up like you, you like parents would essentially like the kids oh, would bring yeah. them home totally for like sports and then the parents would just take them to work or whatever right? i'm all about selling candy for sure yeah. the other weird thing that seems right like, yeah that's like, like 90 dollars popcorn yeah <laughs> right. you're like really this is literally just like a kernel of, of corn that has been popped yeah. and now mm-hmm. it, it, with some chocolate on it mind you right or the ones that are really good to get caramel and chocolate on them yes but that literally it's like a 68 dollar I know. Bucket. Yeah, I know. Like, I, know like, tough. I know it is tough. They get a little kid to hand it to you. Right. Like right. sort of like, what are you going to, well, gonna candy do? bar, I'm, make it happen. And easy. then like even the Girl Scout cookies make it happen. I it's mean, not really $5. a choice. Yeah. No choice. Price exactly. reasonably. Exactly. But those boxes, I don't even have to tell anybody about this. Right. <laughs> exactly. like, we're not, we're not fooled Girl Scouts of America. We know, yeah. what we know what's happening here. We're not <laughs> fools. Yeah. <laughs> you know, um, authentically be helpful. I think that's like the message. Um, you know, you sort of laying the, the gauntlet down saying, this is the right time for that. It is. Do your analysis, find out where your SWAT can line up with being helpful. And yeah. then you're, you're clear, you're good. Don't worry about, you know. I, I think that's part of it. I think there's the other side of that coin, which is like that we've seen from some companies and some, particularly if, depending on your 
space, right, in your industry, like in retail or something like that, where it's really like, or like in-person delivery, things like that, where it's just the models are so different. So there is another part of it about like, if we can't, right, like if we can't be helpful or if we're, what we do right now isn't particularly like applicable, yeah. then what do we do? I think it's a question that, that just comes down to like investment, particularly from a marketing mm-hmm. sort of setup, right? Like it's sort of like prepping for once this time is over, how can we hit the pedal then, right? So yeah. maybe it's, it's okay to be quiet for a little bit or to be helpful in the ways, right? To volunteer time, things like that. And then behind the scenes, kind of build out those things that you haven't invested in over time. Just sort of treat it like a capital, like investment sort of thing, right? Like yeah. What are we going to do? That technology we never actually set up or, you know, the, the blogs we're not writing, those sorts of things. Like how do we then like sort of cue them up? So then when, when you know, when we're at the start, starting line or whatever we want to call it after this, this phase, then how are we going to hit the pedal then? Right, right. That makes sense. I mean, it's a, it's a crazy world, crazy times. Have you heard of the VUCA? I'm not. I'm not. I think I heard it on this presentation the other day, and it was, it was, a concept that um, came out of I think the U.S. military back in, back in the day. Uh, I think the Mm. first Gulf War, maybe Cold War. Oh wow! It was Gulf War, I think, where they're trying to describe what it what it's like when your things are going on right now, and and you're in the middle of this like uncertain time. And so Mm. VUCA actually stands for uh, volatility, Mm -hmm. uncertainty complexity and ambiguity oh wow okay and um and they're like let's just call it what it is this is a vuca world and and it, it, what's interesting is the person was talking about how that's very much like what we're in now i mean it very much is you know uncertainty and there's mm-hmm. volatility we don't really know when we're getting out of quarantine my date just went longer and and so um their point was, you know, think about your customers and think how you could, what's the opposite of each one of these things, right? If you have volatility, how can you give them, you know, more certainty or not uncertainty, there's certainty, volatility, give them more vision. Mm-hmm. Um, and just what kind of responses can you have for people to each one of these things? And it was like interesting to be able to try to weave that into your marketing or just be helpful. I mean, it, there's no trickery about it. People are, they're upset with this sort of VUCA I am too. So it's like, how can you give them a little more stability or things mm-hmm. are complex right now? Cause it's like, I don't understand the coronavirus. It's like, cool. Well, let's, let's be super simple with our messaging right now sure. and um, try to respond to it. Yeah. I think that's it. It's like the, we're sort of like plugged in a little bit more and the clients that are operating in that way is like, you're, there's usually a case where like if you have something big moving and you have a lot of stuff happening and activities and you might not be plugged into the dialogue that happens between like sales and and the, cl- and the prospect, right? But right. right now, I think that in the companies that are really focused, uh, the companies that are kind of moving out, that dialogue is clearer. Like, so we're, we're really dialed into that. Or you have those sort of debriefs that are like, this is what we're being asked all the time, you know? Yeah. And this is kind of how we're going to respond to that, right? Like, so that's a need that we can see based on what we're seeing. And let's figure out how to go, go from there. But I think it is a sort of a... It's like that thing that happens when you just have too much input. It's like sensory overload or anxiety yeah. or something, right? There's just too much. So like, it just becomes a matter of like, okay, where am I trying to get? And what's the first step there? Like, what, what can I do? What is the, how do I just kind of start moving? Let's get that ball rolling. Let's get our like instant coffee into our systems and get rolling. Yeah. And then we'll just, we'll, you know, we'll see you on the other side, that kind of thing. Yeah. And it doesn't have to be perfect, right? Mm-hmm. Out of the get go. It just has to be something. Yeah making it happen yeah it's um, a fundamentals game right at this point yeah. like right it's yeah, like that yeah. lightness of like okay well what can we kind of get out there like does the service sheet do we need to take like 
two weeks to make a service sheet that's perfect and you know that kind of that's thing. Good point. Right. Or do we just need to kind of get something out there? Like, and then we can fix it as we go, you know, like it's probably good enough if we do it in house. Like it's, it's all those things where you kind of adjust the timelines to say like, what is our goal here? Is it to get out there? Or is it to be perfect? And the perfect thing is what's going to keep you in that like corner crying kind of not being able right. to do an analysis and you're completely frozen in time. <laughs> exactly. I like that you've used a metaphor when we were chatting earlier about like not making your marketing like a big ship, you yeah. know, that big cruise liners, which are all just hanging out now, I guess. Yeah. Um, you know, I wouldn't mind being stuck on one, you know, people yeah. can make my bed and um, yeah, yeah, exactly. get some good food or exactly. Yeah. Um, I mean, certain ones. Yeah. Maybe by ones. myself. Yeah. 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 yeah exactly. <laughs> exactly. Like a little yacht. Yeah, exactly. Um, <laughs> Talented Mr. Ripley. Let's go, let's go rent thing. a yacht, George. Let's do it. We'll, we'll I like this plan. I'll stay on one side and you go on yeah, the other you, side. Yeah. You get the, uh, you know, one deck and I'll get the other one. And, <laughs> That's fine. That's fine. Um, but you called it like, you know, like a ship. You don't want it to be this big cruise ship where, or big tanker where you need tugs. And, and turning that thing is like a full day exercise, yeah. you know. And to your point earlier, you're saying, I mean, you don't need to turn on a dime. But if, if you're going to, by the time your response is ready for, for COVID, it's over. Yeah. And we're on to the next thing. Yeah, I was working in-house maybe like, I don't know when that was, probably five or six years ago in another company. And uh, we were sort of checking out uh, different pay-per-click sort of, you yeah. know, outsourced people. Okay. And um, and the the one had an analogy, I'll give them credit for it, SEER agency uh, in uh, Philly. But they had this analogy about um, thinking about pay-per-click as the sniper. And then you think of organic traffic as the tank. And it's like, you're sending out the sniper pay-per-click for a recon. They're out there. They're easily deployable. You get them yeah. out there. It's one. And then, and then they're sending back information to SEO people, to organic, to tell you what you need to make about content and all that kind of stuff, because that stuff's just going to take time to get there. But yeah. then once you, you get that there, then you can redeploy the pay-per-click or the sniper somewhere else. And that, that type of thinking is the, you know, if you want to call it a tank or a big ship or whatever, mm -hmm. it's that sort of thing. Like, what do we just need to get out there to get some information to be able to make a better decision? Like right now, our gut's probably good enough. Like the conversations we're having with prospects, that'll give us some more information. Let's yeah. get out there and see if we can get any information about whether or not that is accurate or true. So true. Um, and you know what? Um, won't argue with you on a new metaphor with tanks and snipers. I mean, this is the hardcore marketing show here, people. Yeah, exactly. Let's do this. Let's do exactly. this. Exactly. But I think it's that thing. It's, it's that thing. There's, I mean, I have so many analogies like that. I do that all the time. But it's like, um, it is that thing. If you're really concentrating on turning that entire machine or that big, big, big entity towards something, it's just going to take too long. Like you're yeah. just not going to really get there. And then you're going to be worried about too many things that are probably unnecessary to be able to make that turn right now. It's again, it's like, what is the least amount of things that we need to get out there? Like that MVP, most valuable product, minimum viable product, right? Like what can we get out there? Right yeah. Now. Talk about the MVP concept. Cause I've definitely heard that, but I'm not sure if everyone else has in terms of. Yeah. So you hear it a lot in agile sort of setup. So you see it in like software development a lot, um, product sort of things like that, where essentially like what's the least, if you, think about it like an app or something, right? Like what's the primary feature that this app needs to do? Like what's yeah. the first thing, right? So we're just going to get out there and we're going to put that thing out. So that first thing is the MVP. So that then at that point, then you're working with the users to identify and to sort your sort of features list at that point. So it's just, it's a question of like, you know, because what you can do is if you're kind of working through that, this is a hundred percent of the app, 
like you're kind of biased by what you're doing, like internal teams, like you don't have any data, you don't have any customer research, those sorts of things. So it's, it's all about sort of like focusing it again. It's like, what do we, what does this need to do with the bare minimum? And then let's get it out there and see how it performs. And then let's get feedback on what the next thing should be. And that's a very, yeah, yeah. you're just using somebody else. You're using the the user base to to, to sort your, to sort your like features list. Such a great tie into marketing then. I mean, we need a marketing MVP, right? I mean, Mm -hmm. it's like, what are your, where are your snipers at? And what are the the small things you can do to zero in on the customers and, and make steps forward and then bring in the tanks. Right. Exactly. But it is that thing. It's that nimble sort of like, how do we get out there? How do we make that turn? And, you know, we don't need to turn the whole thing, but what can we get out there that kind of informs the way in which we need to turn that whole thing, right? Yeah. Let's kind of get out there first and get some information to be able to make that turn, which is kind of what we're doing for some of the clients where you have like a new setup, like a new reporting stack that's sort of bare minimum. I mean, we're working, be- you know, like in one case for a client, I'm kind of moving from like a complex like Tableau setup to sort of yeah. just basic Excel, right? Just to sort of get to some sort of dashboard, like this is kind of how we're seeing it work right now. And then you're adjusting those timetables, right? Like when we may, we might've been doing like a T12, like trailing, or we might've been looking over the last year about like lead flows and those sorts of things, how, what's driving what, like we're kind of tightening that timeline up. So it's like, okay, well, we're kind of working with like, there's, there's the pre times and then there's the, the current Mm -hmm. times, right? So you're sort of in that space. Like there's a two month window now where you're kind of like, this is kind of what we're seeing. Let's not like, let's not be, let's be aware and know what happened before. Right. But let's yeah. not like keep the bar there if it's not realistic. Right. So then yeah. we're sort of adjusting. Okay. Maybe, maybe like we have that sort of like, this is what we're seeing. Let's it's, we're kind of back to a thing. Like how do we get slightly above that? Let's set the bar just slightly above there. So we're, you're, you're trying to grow it. Yeah. And that's kind of where we're back to. It's kind of interesting. Huh. You know, it's a good point because I, I think about not all companies are, as soon as this thing hit, they're like instantly shut down. Like restaurants, oh, yeah. they were like early in, but for, you know, companies like Cheshire Impact and others, um, it's more lagging. It's B2C, or B2, sorry, B2B usually, mm-hmm. all remote anyways. Yeah. So it, it takes a little bit longer. And so I know for us, our first real coronavirus month was like April, you know? Like, yeah. So mm-hmm. at least now we can look back on April and be like, okay, how do we do? We thought we'd do this. Yeah. We're actually here. We thought we'd you know, collect this much. This is how much we actually collected. And so now we can sort of rejig or may mm-hmm. we don't, to your point, we don't have like nine months of trailing data here or even yeah. looking at last May means nothing. Right? It means nothing. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it was way different, right? Like we weren't yeah. trapped in our houses. I'll and take last May, was, honestly. Yeah. It was, it was a good May. I don't even remember it, but I'm sure it was great. Like I'm it was, sure it was yeah. fantastic. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> exactly. Oh, yeah, so yeah, I mean, it is that thing. Like, so what are we going to do? And, and I think that's like where the projection get thing, that myth in the beginning kind of comes from. It's like yeah. that projection is like, what are you holding dear there? Like, what yeah. is, what do we actually, what should we actually measure to, to be able to make like some sort of impact at, the, at this time? Let's, let's not like look at this whole reporting deck that was based on everything being sort of perfect and ideal. And we had months to figure this thing out versus like, let's kind of get back to like, what are the minimums? Like, what do we need to get? What do we need to look at to drive some sort of impact? Right, right. Yeah, I'm back to the, not just the basics. What do they call it? Fundamentals, right? Fundamentals, yeah. Like it's like a football. Hey, back to the fundamentals, guys. Yeah, right. It's exactly right, right. Yeah. So it's just that thing. It's like I don't know. When I was a kid, I used to spend a lot of time on a basketball court, just like yeah. you know, doing the free throws, right? Like you're just sort of there. Those are the things that count. They're freebies. Like you know, it's that That's thing. A really good point. 
Yeah. It's like, so, you know, what are those things for, for our jobs now? You know, I was thinking yeah. about what are those things where you can get it in? Yeah. Three pointers are good. If you, you know, but like, yeah, let's get them points, you know, <laughs> let's get them, yeah, yeah, let's get them in there. Get some points on the board. Yeah, exactly. Right. Um, even if it's a couple, you know, yeah. Hey, got a couple small deals closing. Great. Keep closing yeah. them. Keep doing it. Uh, Keep the like energy up, like get those things going, yeah. right? That's like the morale, like everything like that. Those are the things that you sort of need to be able to kind of roll. Like you have to, everybody's got to kind of be seeing stuff happen, like cool, like little celebrate the little victories, like those sorts yeah. of things. Like it's, you're all kind of back to that, regards to how advanced or mature or whatever the marketing setup is, you're sort of back to the, it, it's back to the things that matter most, you know, yeah. like it's, it's like the noise is kind of going away because nobody has time for the noise or, you know, I guess, you know, the noise is you know, we're in our houses. So the noise is like my kid being on daycare, Zoom calls or whatever, right? Right. It's a different setup. Yeah. Yeah. You know, they have babysitter services now on Zoom. I don't know how that works, right? Because what's know. your kid going to do? Be like, nah, nah, you can't tell me to do anything. What are exactly. you going to do about it? What are you going to do about it? I don't know it? how that works. I mean, wouldn't you have to contain them in some way? Like some sort of, like, I don't know, like my kid, like a four-year-old, yeah. like, I don't know how that's going to work. Like maybe I could put it like some sort of, you know, like a nice cage, but like a cage. <laughs> yeah, I was thinking padded maybe. Shock yeah, collar, right? Exactly, and then they just, it's just me. like a tablet in or the corner. I'm gonna shock you again. <laughs> yeah, I'm being a good parent. I'm helping. You know. Anyway. Oh man. <laughs> or just let them roam around in the background when you're on a Zoom. Exactly. Call. That's yeah. pretty much how it goes. We're just sort of we're in that space. It's a new world, right? Everybody's yeah, just man. trying to. It's a new VUCA world. Hey, what's your take on uh, technology? Like, how do you keep your soul in all this thing? Um, I know a lot of people, even before, you know, quarantine and that kind of thing they might tend to err on the side of like, this tech will save me. This mm. tech is my vaccine. And all yeah. I need is this one piece of technology and I know it'll fix everything. I don't, I don't know if that's like a, I don't know if it's like a when I kind of came up, like I, I'm sort of in that, I guess it's like just on the edge of the cusp of the millennials, right? So it's like that thing where yeah. like, yeah, where you have the, like, you kind of grew up with technology, like with Commodore 64 is in somebody's house and you played like the snake game or Oregon yeah. Trail. And then you're like all the way up. Like, so I still had to look at things, look up things in card catalogs versus totally. like, right. And yeah. then you go to the stacks and kind of use dimes or whatever to, to, to like copy pages from some random oh, good research paper, yeah, those yeah. sorts of things. Yeah. So to me, like technology sort of seems like a, it's a tool, right? It's like a thing where it makes something easier. It allows you to do something, but it's never like the, it's never the answer. It's sort of the, the answer is more in the, why are we getting that tool or like, what, sh what are we trying to accomplish and how will that tool help us? So I think there's a lot of stuff where you can kind of get like sold and it happens a lot in marketing from usually see it in like marketing automation platforms or things like that where people get sold on the idea without the in-house ability to take advantage of that idea or you know they just sort of bought this thing like yeah this will fix it and then they sort of have this really expensive thing that they don't really know how to operate or they don't know yeah. like why they even bought it besides they got sold on some sort of setup where everything is automated right but then you have to make yeah. the automation it's going to take forever yeah yeah right <laughs> this, is, this is like my life quest is just yeah. is solving this problem because I, I had a chance to use these tools, but like, do, I loved your, your, your quote here was like, technology is a tool, but it's not the answer. The answer is the why and the how. And um, oh. yeah, I had a chance to, to do it and, and experience it working and want other people to experience that too, but you're right. Um, and, and it's not necessarily the tool's fault, but man, the, you know, I guess they, they talk a lot about the, um, 
you know, I guess behind the scenes, there's a sort of military industrial complex. Well, there's a the yeah. software industrial complex Huge. too, which is yeah. like all about the tech, get the tech, buy, buy, buy. All their marketing supports it. And the loudest marketing is the one that's backed by a tool. Yeah. So it's loud. It's out there. I mean, yeah. I remember I, I did buyer personas wrong for 10 years because HubSpot may or may not have, you know, told me the wrong way for a while. And so sure. it's like, what do you do? You know, so yeah. you have all these outside influences. Yep. And then I came up in that HubSpot way. I mean, I was sort of in a content seat. I was doing a lot of creative writing and then I yeah. got a job with a funny title. It was inbound content architect was the title. Um, yeah, but they were essentially moving everything into HubSpot. They'd bought HubSpot company okay. at that time and they wanted to kind of use it. But I mean, it's fundamentally came down to like, you have to build all the things first yeah. before you can even automate the stuff. So you're sort right. of in this space like, well, we need blogs and we need web pages and we need, you know, eBooks or whatever. And you still have to make all those things and then you have to hook them together and then you have to yeah. measure them and then you have to do, you know, so it's just, right. it's not like an instant thing. It's, um, and then you're always hitting the wall, right? Like it's always that grass is greener. Like if we had another feature, if we paid for this, you know, and those, those big platforms are really good at that. Like sort of yeah. setting you up and saying, you know what you need, any predictive lead scoring or something, right? You're right. Like, that sounds like PM. easier than what I'm doing. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Right. And how much is that? It's a lot. Hmm, okay. You know, and then you're going to figure it out DIY it anyway. Right. Until like, like we need of, that. That sounds great. That'll fix it. And then there's the, there's always that, like the, the realists in the corner that kind of run the thing that are like, yeah. we don't need that. We just need to focus. You know what I mean? Like, right. Yeah. So like, it's we'll not be that. migrating for the next three months. We like it's that thing. It's that thing. It's like a as a homeowner and you know, spouse like spouse. Like it's the it's the royal we. Like we, you know, I'm gonna have to you're like well, you're gonna buy it. And then I'm gonna have to build that thing. You know, and it's may is that the it's thing true. that's gonna solve it? Yeah, it's true. I I bought a new shed. Oh great! Yeah, it's in pieces in the backyard. I we go build that. All right, we should we should get new curtains or a new bookshelf. Yeah, right. We should do. We should. We'll do it. One of those IKEA boxes that just has like 99 pieces. Exactly. Worst thing for me was a kid's playground because oh no, literally thousands of probably pieces and trying to be organized with this thing. But I actually, for fun, I hit the stopwatch on my phone at the beginning of the process. It was something Mm -hmm. like eight plus hours. That sounds right. And then I'm sure like you had kids and your wife and everybody just kind of asking you if it's, is it ready yet? Yeah. We're hungry. Like we have things, right? I broke this thing while you were working on that thing. Like all of that. She helped me for a while, but then it's like making dinner and then it's dark. I'm outside trying to finish this thing. I can do it. I can get there. (laughs) Exactly. This is doable. I can get this. I I always joke. I always joke I'm in a perpetual state of learning what, like what my dad was mad about. <laughs> yeah. And it's just this kind of thing, that grumbling that you do from like the, you know, when you have to go back to Home Depot or something, it's like, oh, that's what he was mad about, right? It's like, oh. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know? Yeah. You got the wrong whatever. Exactly. When you're out in the shed, like, what are you doing? I don't know. I'm just sitting in the shed because I just need, I just need this. That's right. What I... <laughs> yeah. Sometimes you just need a little quiet time, you know, like exactly. getting a walk and, um, yeah, it's cool to do a walk with a podcast. Hello, yeah. everyone. Hello. But um, but also get you know get some quiet time in too. Yeah. You know, just to be able to have some thoughts other than George's thoughts and my thoughts. But yeah, yeah people need their. I mean, get your learning, but yeah. for sure, still get your learning. Your brain's gonna get super weak if you don't. But um, <laughs> but also give yourself some time to analyze and like, yeah, think about what your thinking is. Yep. Yeah. Cool. Well, you know, I guess my next question for you is around the future, the <sighs> futura. That probably wasn't the right word. Um, 
But uh, yeah, tell me about like, you know, what's around the corner? Is there anything you're excited about or anything we should keep on the lookout for? Yeah, things I'm excited about are just more, I think we've been riding that wave. I think like one of the things that was interesting about something like uh, HubSpot or Apartat early on was that the, I think it's like the learning thing. Like, so if you're in the sort of marketing tactical seat early on, like, you know, maybe 10 years ago, you had multiple tabs open and you're kind of trying to figure out like how to reconcile this number against that number and we see a person and so as those things kind of get cleaner and cleaner and everything's kind of coming into like data's being like you're able to see data like from different sources in one space like it's for me like that type of analytics stack is the most interesting thing like where how do we get to like an actual insight with all this information as that kind of gets more and more refined um that's like the most interesting thing to me for sure because it's I don't know. For example, like there are certain ones where you have like, you know, you're running Google Analytics or something and then maybe might have an automation platform or something, right? Those numbers are always just a little bit different or like you, how you're tracking conversions and all that stuff and emails going out for this one and then this thing's coming out through this thing. And, you know, so when you see things in a space like uh, like a Tableau or something like that, those sorts of visualizations, like the aggregation of that data is like just super interesting. Um, I don't know if I'm, I kind of, I think that's just one of those things like where from a content perspective is it's like a cross to bear. Like there's a certain point in time as a marketer where the job became measurement too. Um, yeah. You know, like it right. used to be like uh, the, the, the metrics were always like um, there was like a, where it was like impressions and things like yeah. that. Right. Like impressions and, and like views and all those sorts of things. And then it was like, somebody came up and it was like, <laughs> well now this, this allows you to see like, you know, conversions or, or num or like a, or, right. you know, revenue or something like that. And as you're sort of connecting all that stuff, it's super interesting to see. I just, I'm interested in a point in time where it's like, just, <laughs> it's a little bit easier, right? Like you're still kind of reconciling all that data that you still need like real specialists to do it because it's, you're just, it's like, it's development, right? It's like a certain, certain amount of it is just connecting these sort of streams and making sense of them. Right. Right. You know, it's a, it's a good point because I think a lot of times we talk about how good it is that we've added measurement into marketing um, because at least we can defend ourselves a little bit and sure. get a little more analytical. But I think you can, you can easily lose sight of the craft, you know? Certainly. Um, and what we got into in the first place, maybe to be creative. So, mm-hmm. I mean, for some people, I think I have a little bit of that where kind of like a little bit of each side, right? I like a little bit of the analytical, I like a little bit of the creative. So, yeah. So it kind of fits in marketing, but you know, by all means, people just want to be creative or just want to be analytical to yeah. like find their, find their, their sweet spot. Yeah. I think it's that thing. There are those, it's, there's this hazy math that happens even in a projection, right? Like there yeah. is a certain like, like X to it, right? There's a certain like variable in there. That's like, I don't know if you can sort out, right? There's like a, it's across the board, right? So there's a number, like, let's say, if we write five blogs a month, what will that do? Right? Like there's a certain yeah. weird threshold, like where, like that you get that critical mass that like something happens and there's that like sort of uptick. Right. It, right. I guess it's, um, this yeah, up into the, whichever. Yeah. Yeah. So, <laughs> um, so yeah, it's that sort of thing. And then, so that's one part, but there is sort of like a thing about like, if it's prettier, if it's cleaner, if mm-hmm. there's an easier way to say it or those sorts of things that are, that do add up over time. Like I've always been sort of a detailsy person. So I kind of focus yeah. on those little things, right? Like I'm a very, over the course of time, just like focus on, you know, making sure that that like thing is marked up just right. Or like they're, you know, I'm like, I'm one of those guys that gets in the HTML and like 
takes out non-breaking spaces because I'm just like, why not? I'm already here, you know? Nah. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? It's that sort of thing, like right. where those those little things do add up over time. It's just, um, yeah, I don't know. It's like a combination for me of like creativity and then sort of refining that creativity in a way that's like connects with with the audience. It's the whole the whole thing. Yeah, tell me about storytelling because I, I know one of your jams in my glorious introduction of you, we talked about yeah. writing and I know we'll get into you in a, in a little bit, but just, you know, what's your, what's your, um, you know, your top recommendations on writing and storytelling inside of marketing and the best way to approach it? Well, I think it's all about, I, don't, I think it is thinking about it like storytelling is a good starting point. So yeah. I think I always kind of go back to like two things when I'm talking about like how to communicate better, how to tell stories. It's, there's the five paragraph essay example. So I always think that that's still applicable because it kind of keeps you constrained. I don't know if you know, like, so anyway, I did. I went Vaguely to, remember it. Do you, yeah, do you, I went to. Are there certain things for each paragraph? <laughs> yeah, so so um, it comes from a guy named uh, Montaigne. It was basically a uh, French What's lawyer. Montaigne. Montaigne. Yeah, Sweet. I believe. And um, and he was like a, he was a lawyer and he wanted to write and, the reason it's called essay is like in French, essay means to try. So it's essentially like he's trying to make a point. And that is the structure that like a lawyer would take. gift right now. Yeah. Just like, yeah. So that would take, that's like a lawyer trying to make an argument, right? So five paragraph essay always starts with like your point. It's your thesis, right? So what am I trying to prove or say? And then you have sub points. So one point, a subtopic per paragraph after that. And then you have the conclusion. So it's essentially like the example I was used when I was in grad school and teaching students would be um, like I, you know, dogs are better than cats, right? So you'd have that thing at the top and then it would be like, well, dogs look better in sunglasses. Like that would be point one. Uh, dogs, you know, wag their tails. Uh, and then three might be, um, I don't know, dog treats are delicious or something. I don't know. Dogs <laughs> Whatever aren't it is. assholes. Right, exactly. They're <laughs> assholes. That's it. There's four there. Okay, so that's fine. We'll do. Four. And then, uh, and then it's like, so you're essentially saying, you know, this plus, like subtopics will add up to make that, that thesis, right? So you're almost saying like one plus two plus three equals thesis. Yeah. And then your conclusion is like, see, obviously that is true. Like that's kind of the thing. So you're always kind of like in that space of like your, and then from a, like a, sort of cognition comprehension standpoint like you people can pretty much only keep three things in their in their head at once so yeah. you sort of have the point and then you kind of go back it's like if i would just coach anybody to go out and to do speech or something like that it's always like you concentrate on what are the what are the three things i'm staying here like i would almost do that five paragraph essay we're talking about this these are the sub points for this and we're just going to stay in these things you can kind of bring it back to those things just so we're always on point everything relates we're tight there you're not going too far off the map it's you're still making one primary point right so that'll be the first thing and then the second thing is just like making it compelling so i think part of the persona thing is about like is about understanding who you're talking to and just really kind of getting a sense for who that person is and then thinking about how you can relate that point to that person like what is the easiest most compelling way to create that that connection um so i always kind of think about those things is um like simplicity and about i, I always kind of think about it like it being in a bar almost right so it's like those when you're sitting with somebody at a bar and they say what do you do like you there's two there's two ways to go about it right there's the 
I'm going to tell you this thing that you're not going <laughs> to get, right? right? Like, yeah, I'm going to give you the jargon or I'm going to tell you the easiest connection to that point, right? So yeah. yeah, as a marketing sort of copywriter, somebody that's been in the messaging seat, like you feel it, you feel it when you go in like a happy hour and then somebody like the, the waitress goes like, oh, where do you guys work? And then everybody turns to the, like the marketing person and like, what do we say we do? You know what I mean? That kind of thing. Right. And then that person decides one of those two things. It's like, oh, I'm going to tell you the boilerplate, right? And then you're going to ask why, and then we have to keep going. Or I'm going to tell you that like real thing about what we actually do here, right? Like, you know, and that, I think though, knowing and understanding those two, those two things is very important if you're trying to connect that point. Like, how do I convey it to that person in a way that they can yeah. understand it? You know, it's funny you brought up that situation because I, I feel like that must be a universal thing we've all been through. Where oh, yeah you're in a group and someone's like, what do you do? And now that I own a company and if I'm with someone on my team, sometimes I'll, I'll look at someone on my team to be like, go ahead. I want to hear (laughs) say it and I'll say it exactly how I want to say it, but I'd like to hear you said. Exactly. We do that a lot when you do like onboardings too. So it's like you're in this sort of, um, you're in the leadership room, you're at the table conference room or whatever, not now virtual conference room, I guess now, but it's that like, what is the definition of what we do here? Um, and I mean, it's very common that you, it's not like everybody knows that script, right? It's just a common thing that people kind of say it however they need to say it. A sales guy might need to say it slightly different than the CEO who might say it slightly different than the COO or the finance person or et cetera. But it, you can see that there's like shades of difference in the way that that person and who they're talking to, how they, you know, and what their role is that kind of impact the way that they convey that message. You know? I, I, this is like really kind of cool. You got me all excited about this concept because in those experiences, the question is, do you explain it the way you would want the CEO to say it mm-hmm. or do you twist it or do you sort of um, convert it to what you know ab- about that person already? Exactly. You know? um, and exactly. I think sometimes our marketing, we just sort of, we do the company line. Now, if the company line has been tweaked to be able to really genuinely speak to that person, then I, I would expect you to say that. But mm-hmm. if it's a little dry and corporate and you want to connect it to the person, you know that their aunt works in marketing, then by all means, change it around. Yeah. I think it, I don't think anybody is ever, I think there's two th- like, so thinking about like how to tell a story, how to, nobody, nobody ever complains about something being too concise or clear. Right. So like no ever. So I think some of those things are like, are held. It's like, I, I can remember early on, I used to have a boss that would sort of consider good content or a good marketing piece to have. Like, I remember him actually saying thud factor. So like you would like throw it on the table and it would like make a thud. That would be, that's, it's, it's very like uh, educational. That would be sort of like if you're in the, you know, if you're, you've been in college too long or grad school, that people write these like just aggressively boring yeah. research things you know yeah. just, like just uh like that's the job is to write that. boring things he, yeah he, he would wanted to ask that. you for thud factor would he, yeah. did he call it that he like yeah he said thud factor hey george no times. thud factor on this one get back this one's get just back to not heavy at all just at well it's just an arbitrary thing right like I, I think there was a point in time and when i was probably in grad school doing creative writing that yeah like i just like i just sort of got rid of those things and i, I still believe that's true like when somebody says like how long should a blog be it's like, don't, don't write to word count, please. Like, that's just the worst thing ever. Because like, yeah. if you can do it in 500 words, do it in 500 words. Like, you know what I mean? There's no sense in writing 1200 words. If you can True. say it in 500, like, I don't want to read 
700 extra words. True. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. It's just why. Yeah. So that, I think that's the thing. It's, it's, it's about being aware of like, what does it take to convey that point? And what are the main points I'm trying to make? And what's the most compelling way to string them together for the person I'm talking to? moment you know it's interesting though because with with blog posts i i feel like i've experienced the lack of the the thud factor i keep wanting to say yeah. fud factor but uh, <laughs> it's fine factor. either one i think i think they're both the same I yeah think it's, um yeah. because i have seen some blog posts that they're like you know you ordered soup and you got a salad like it's super healthy and light but not really anything in there nothing substance yeah. not real substance in there and it's probably not the, the length that's the problem in that case it's just the, the content itself yeah i think there's the other side of that too and that's one of the other things about like measurement and seo and things like that where you turn it turns into like who are you writing that thing for right. so some of it is like we're writing it for a human being to process this information and to like maybe understand what we're talking about and maybe get some yeah. value out of it or I'm writing this for a search engine. So it needs to be 1500 words and it needs to be like peppered with (laughs) like keywords. Right. So, I mean, there's probably some in between, right. That you can kind of get there. Like, I mean, there's that sort of like we wrote it for human beings and then now let's kind of just do a key keyword comb just to make sure we're not just like, it's not just like, you know, we can actually get something out of this. So there is like some sort of, there's reality and practical sort of thing there, like a practical sort of application there. But yeah, I think it just comes down to like why, why would you just be obtuse and long winded for the sake of it? Right. Like, sure. Sure. Just doesn't yeah, make maybe search sense. engine would prefer that, but you know, my, my situation earlier, search engine like, will not buy anything from you. I'll tell yeah, you that. Like, right. You know what I mean? Sure. Like, so <laughs> you're right. I may, I may have stumbled on a blog that was written for a search engine instead yeah. of a human. Yeah. And I was like, I hated it. It was, it didn't <laughs> exactly. answer anything for me. And it made me have all the right words. It didn't yeah. say a single single freaking thing that i could exactly uh, you got me you got me i looked at this thing and now i have to go still find the answer right yeah i still have to figure out the way that kind of dials in like i I always kind of think of content and good writing and good anything is like good teaching so it's like it's it's the same thing it's like you remember those people that sort of like over the course of your career life you know being a kid whatever that sort of connected with you like you that you sort of they illuminated it in such a way that it sort of went like oh that like really I really hit home like that yeah. turned a light bulb on or something like that. And that's the kind of thing that I ch- try to strive for when we're, we're working through content and things like that. Like, how do we right. illuminate something? Like, how do we, how do we make this compelling in such a way? And not everything's super compelling, but you can still add like personality to things. Yeah. You know, like if you're, if you're working with like an accounting firm or something like that, <laughs> right. Like, and they're made generating content. Like it's not, it's not a given that like an accountant is going to come up with some just like really juicy content right you might just have to talk about some some boring 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 stuff but like you know you can make it sound like a human being like you can make it seem like this 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 isn't like like a you know a sub entity a drone within this like broader boring organization right like you can kind of create some shades of like personality and difference and that difference kind of adds up as like somebody's as somebody's like uh shopping the field right so if you're looking at different accounting firms like the way that you the way that you convey yourself and that your your people convey themselves and those sorts of polish and those little details over time kind of add up and that's the differentiation distinguishing sort of characteristics that if you're dialed in on that who that person is that you're trying to get and who you can serve the best um it should work like you know i think those are sort of fundamental things do you do you talk to customers a lot do you have any magic for um i mean getting into their minds and reading their souls like any sort of Vulcan mind meld type activities mm-hmm. any questions that you always ask them 
I always kind of, I don't know. I think the easy, the easiest thing to do is to get them started. So like you just get them started about what they're talking about. And then I think there's a little bit of, it's as fast as you can relate to a person. And I don't know if it's something that I can sort of create any sort of like sort of quick steps to get there, mm -hmm. but it's, it is, I would equate it to like, um, to a little bit of like bar connecting with somebody networking sort of thing. Right. It's like the, the speed at which you're able to make a connection so that you can kind of break down that, that like artificial, like sort of wall that's always yeah. there whenever you start. Right. Like we're, you know, it's that, I think the language always starts with something like we're the premier, blah, 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 blah. Yeah, right. Like, sure. And then you're kind of like, okay, let's get to the, you know, so you kind of have to try to get to that faster. And then the faster you can get there and the more you can connect with somebody, the more they're, they can trust you, I think, to, to tell you the truth about this thing and how we're trying to move it. Like, so I think that's always been the thing in, in house. It was always like harder because you were sort of in the space where you're kind of in this, like you're in the hierarchy and you yeah. know, it's kind of like, there's like that internal politicking that happens that you kind of have to, like, I always just joked, like my, my, um, my career at a certain point was just like making PowerPoints to justify like a thing that you hired me to do. You know what I mean? Right. <laughs> that was kind of it. Um, and we're not even doing it yet. Exactly. We're just, talking exactly. About we're just yeah. still talking about it. Like we're just, you know, this is in my title, but we can't, we just won't, you won't just let me do it. I mean, I have time. I have time. That's I made tough, a PowerPoint. Um, yeah. So it's this, that kind of setup. And then when you're in sort of an outsourced like agency consulting role, it's a lot easier because you're kind of plugged into that C-suite right away. And that's the, yeah. that's the, the role that you're, you're in. So that's been a lot like more refreshing and it's really interesting mm -hmm. to just see like we work in a mid middle market, like B2B servicey space, typically. Like, sure. I mean, we have some other clients, but that, that sort of setup is very interesting because there's just like an endless sort of like supply, not supply, but there's just like an endless amount of companies that are out there that are specialized in some particular thing and have carved out like a really big niche. Yeah. And it's just bizarre to, to sort of like, to talk to people that have sort of built their business up in this very specific way for the yeah. specific audience, you know, it's very, it's yeah. just always endless because you're always like, if you get a new, a new company, a new prospect in, you're like, wow, like you're at $50 million doing that. Like I'd never heard of that. Right. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. that kind of thing? Like, what? Yeah. That's crazy. I get it. Like, that's crazy, but I didn't think that that's the case. You know, like I didn't think that could possibly exist, you know, but anyway. Yeah. Yeah. Jeez. Yeah. The whole, um, you know, niche or niche, depending mm -hmm. on where you're from. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. I, what do you call it? Niche? I say niche niche um i might have said niche a while ago but you i think an official I, ruling on that like is that is, I don't, it, is there a right way to say that no i think it's a it's a personal preference there it's just it's, it's just like you can i'm just I, it's a judgy word Tomato, i would sort of tomato. say yeah. yeah if somebody said niche i'd be like all right <laughs> so if they say niche, you're like, okay, you're right old school french going exactly on. exactly it's like it's it's one of those things it's like uh bruschetta I think is like a good example of that, right? Like, how are they going to say that when that comes up? Because some people are like, or whatever, oh, right? No, and I'm like, that's, come that's on now. Yeah, exactly. Whatever. Yeah, exactly. Come on. Let's just, just get, uh, again, who are we talking to, right? Like, let's just get that bruschetta ordered. Like, you know what I mean? Right. You know, it's like you're in a, any of these, re any sort of restaurant with a, um, you know, real authentic people there cooking it or, or, or something like that. Yeah. You know, Italian restaurant, and you're like, oh, how you doing today? Oh, you like the bruschetta. <laughs> yeah, like, exactly. Okay. None of the other words you just said had an accent. <laughs> There's like a very like Jada De Laurentiis sort of thing about it, right? Like when you watch her shows and she kind of throws, throws that in, it's like, you know, we're going to pump the ricotta or something like that. And right. Like, Come on. It's like, like you were just, yeah, you were New Jersey up until like that, that point. Yeah. <laughs> exactly.
Yeah, it's weird. You're like, what are you doing? It's funny. Yeah. Oh man. Well, hey, who are you? Like, how did you? You know, you got all this experience, the writing. Can you take us back in time to like little George? What was it like growing George. up as you and all that? Oh man, that's. Uh, I'll go. Um, it was fun. I grew up in uh, Salem County, New Jersey. It's like South South Jersey, oh, sort Ju- of over Jersey. the Com- okay. Well, yeah, over the Commodore Barry Bridge. So we're Philadelphia more than um, than New York, basically. Ah, so you're um, home now. I am. Yeah. So I'm sort of like <laughs> no. I'm I'm uh, I'm probably I'm an hour or so away from so. where I grew okay. up. Okay. But that's yeah, cool. So. You kind of come full circle. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So it's uh, I always it used to be like down there. You'd say like, oh, Bruce Willis is from here. He's from like Pennsville or Penns Grove, one of them. And then you'd say a couple people like that. And now it's now I use like Mike Trout. So he's like he's in Millville, and that was probably 15 minutes away from there. So huh. um, sticks like. Uh, very farm country kind of setup and oh really it's like yeah so New jersey has sticks i'm just thinking of newark just every time nothing down there my wife always makes fun of me because she grew up in philly and uh she's like this is the country dude like this is this is not you know this isn't the burbs like this is right. the country um so yeah it gets like super dark and quiet there at night like a kind of thing like it's just too quiet anyway oh. yeah anyway but yeah i grew up there um still like uh, i think my high school my high school had a hundred and 58 kids when we graduated like in that wow, graduating yeah. class so I knew everybody and um was sort of like one of those it's kind of cool school though in terms of like it was small enough and you can kind of bounce around try all the clubs activities that kind of thing yeah um my mom is a filipino like nurse and so i was on the uh, track for engineering <laughs> i used to do <laughs> yeah it's on that track so was that was uh, that her her suggestion <laughs> yeah that was her suggest strong suggestion um so yeah i used to do these like little programs i was one of those kids that took like sats early on and we would go to like colleges and visit them and you know whatever you a smart kid i was yeah i was a good test taker though i think i was sort of good i'm broad i have like a broad um comprehension in general so i kind of you know so i was a good test taker kind of could do lots of things so anyway i got uh, i was actually at one point even trying to get into naval academy but i have like i things so that was like a free college play i'm not gonna lie about that and then right totally. and then i didn't really care about it enough like i think i was on that like engineering track and then i got accepted at a couple colleges i got the went to penn state i was accepted for mechanical engineering and sometime around what do they call it orientation i sort of had this breakdown i was like i don't want to do this like you know i don't want to be an engineer i want to be an english teacher uh and but like, mom. tell me about that. Did, did you, did part of you want to be an engineer ever? Or was it just literally, I, I, I could do it. Or, so it was one of those things, you know, yeah. like I could do it, but I didn't love it. I didn't like yeah. it. I don't like sitting down and doing equations or math. You know, that was like the work that I wanted to do the least, you know? So like right. what, build a career on this thing. I don't like out of all the things I, I was doing. Uh, I think it came back to, we were, I had a class senior year that was, called a speech and media and they had this grant from the state that was um they had those they basically had like uh like a media lab like av setup where you had like yeah. all these like sort of like at that point you know, dating myself but they had the the um sort of colorful imax and like the big yeah. power things yeah so Back and then we had were cool exactly final cut and all those sorts of things and we would run the morning announcements so we had groups there was like six groups or something you'd rotate through and part of the part of the exercise was you did like the morning announcements, sports, what's for lunch, all those sorts of things. And then you'd have like these things they call special segments. So they were like four minute pre-taped things that you huh. could create little stories in or whatever. And 
uh, and then there was like something like a feature, which was like a 30 second something funny, something. And we sort of like kind of run the boards and you would like say, here's our kind of featured segment or special segment or whatever. Was and it like a news show? Did you have like two anchors and two anchors and a little sports desk and you no had this kidding. little like these little buttons that you would like switch the feed. So like yeah. a little like a button, you go click like that. And then the desk was right next to the other now desk. Back you know? to you, George. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Cool. You were all in the room kind of running the stuff. This is high school? This was high school? It was in high school, yeah. Nice. It had the sort of like the TVs like up in the corner of the room, you know, and everybody would watch them in the morning, that kind of thing. Wow. So it'd run on that closed circuit. And um, yeah, and we did that. And it was like, we really got into the, like into the final cut editing story part of it. So we made little funny things. Like I remember one was, uh, we pretended like we were a uh, behind the music sort of band that had gone through the sort of like, gone through decades so we got to dress up sure. and kind of do little things and pretend and do these like little I remember setting up like gym mats behind us so they look like those backgrounds when you do those like talking head like wow yeah yeah so that sort of stuff so we do that and I just kind of liked being in cam on camera I like telling stories and stuff so at that point I was like maybe maybe it's something in this like storytelling English yeah. thing I always liked reading always like writing um so maybe I'll be an English teacher. My mom was like, no. And then we went into like PR. So it was like, okay, let's do PR. So then I shifted over and I got a, I got a degree in public relations and do you remember advertising. The, do you remember the moment? Was there like a moment or was it gradual when you're just like F this like engineering thing? It was like at orientation. I think I was in like some sort of chilies or something. Like I was across the table from my mom and I was just like, I don't want this. Like, I don't want this. Like there was yeah. basically that kind of moment. And then, uh, and yeah, and Glad they were you did, supportive though, about it. Like yeah. you, you could be an engineer right now. Oh yeah, be, I could have been. Yeah, I've been miserable. Miserable. Yeah, yeah. maybe I would. Really yeah. shitty one too. Right? <laughs> yeah, really bad. Like I hate this. I'm totally gonna... disengaged. Yeah. yeah. Um and yeah, so yeah, and it just turned into that kind of thing. And that was sort of the thing too on the other side. Like we're like pushing for like, do I you know enlist in? Do I enlist after I don't get into the Naval Academy? Things like that. It's like I don't even want that. Like you know, so right. it's just this sort of thing. Like it was a. It was like that sort of movement. PR was sort of this like practical application of those skills, right? The, right. the sort of like storytelling, writing, that sort of stuff. Um, but I ended up getting the English minor anyway. I was, I was taking all these like advanced writing classes and uh, I just liked those. Mm. I liked sort of short story classes and, you know, modern literature and those sorts of things and sit around and talk about stories and write them and do, I did a lot of like workshop classes where you'd yeah. sort of write a short story and then you kind of like, present them and it's kind i of like fun. those classes those are fun yeah, they were fun and then you sit up in front of the class and they shred it you know that kind of thing ah, and you're like oh yeah. i don't like your opinion anyway like your opinion sucks but i like your opinion so that's a good point like you kind of learn that mm. sort of thing um i don't yeah, think i've ever had someone do the shredding thing that, that might be kind of an interesting experience it was interesting you'd have like you'd go up a, like every week or something so your story would be due like the week before the next class or something so you'd like send it to everybody they'd read it and then you'd go sit up in front of the class basically and or maybe in a circle you know that sort of thing drag the desks you know around <laughs> in the circle and then yeah exactly and then um and then people would just sort of talk about like what they thought about your story or whatever um and i always kind of liked that experience it kind of that definitely prepped me a lot for mar the marketing role and the creation role because it's it became less of there's that that interface between like where if you're in the room by yourself writing versus like if you're getting sort of like a dialogue or if there's somebody weighing in on it i imagine it's kind of comparable to it's it's a lot longer in between like the deliverable but like 
comparable, I would say, to like stand up or something like that, right? Where you get like this reaction, like so you're asking for that feedback or that thing is right. conveyed in a way. So yeah, so I kind of did that um, and then went out and did some boutique work. Uh, I was working at an agency for like nine months and um, and then had another sort of moment where I was like, I don't like this either. <laughs> yeah? Yeah, so I did a, uh, I call that one my like I want to dance moment. Uh, and I went back to school for creative writing. What, what, what happened? Tell us this. I want to dance moment. I was like working. So at that point I was still living at home with my parents and I was commuting, uh, into Philly every day. And that was probably each way, like an hour and a half between like a drive mm. in traffic, pure traffic. And then I would get on a train and like go in and then come back and, you know, and I was just doing that for, I think it was like, I've it was done like that, my man. first job. <laughs> no, yeah. It was like my first job. I think I was making like 28 grand a year or something like that. I had oh. like no money, right? Like you're just kind of going, this is what I have to do. I put on the little, you know, the shirt and the yep. slacks and I go and I do the thing and I sit in a cubicle. Um, but I just was like not really engaged. I was a junior, I think it was junior account executive, something like that. Like one of those Mm-hmm. something sort of oh, like, like a PR assistant kind of thing yeah assistant account executive i think is what it was yeah, yeah. i remember the i did a pr internship i remember the hierarchy and you're like yeah ooh, account you know oh okay yeah i was always kind of like somebody though that was like over like i would be applied in weird ways because i can i kind of figure stuff out so i yeah. can remember like looking at your background or like your ceiling like i can remember at one point like i had to wire like something and i had to t- take wiring from like the like from the one computer or something and run the speaker all the way over like in the drop ceiling like I can remember doing stuff like that like um anyway so I was just kind of all over the place and then I just didn't really like it and then I was sort of doing these things where I would figure out how to write so I was I was basically buying like I bought a little laptop for myself with whatever money I had um I would try to write during lunch breaks but it was like impossible I would sort of like take note like have I always have like notebooks and I would sort of like write down little details like I'd go to a like a cafeteria and I just sort of look at people, you know, like, or like one of those, like sort of lunch, you know, like a, like in a mall or something where you yeah. kind of sit around in there. And I would sort of just like steal, I would, I called it like stealing details from people, right? Like I'd sort of like, notice yeah. like, oh, that, the way that person's like flip flop hangs off of their foot or something like that. I like, or like, I like the way that that person's doing like carrying their bag just so, or whatever. Wow. And I would just sort of write yeah. those little things. And I would just sort of work there, like work on that. And I look for a program that had like more of a writing focus as opposed to like a literature focus so i moved into um i went to rowan university and glass where is that at? is that nearby it's yeah it's in between it's almost like in between where i grew up and philadelphia and it's like booming now it's like a state university but when i went it was much smaller uh they kind of did a bunch of jumps it was basically like a teacher's college uh early on got it and then it kind of got an engineering boost like somebody there um i think it was I think that's where the name comes from. He was like an engineer. And then he kind of, you know, donated a lot of money. And then yeah. um, since it's become like much bigger, there's like a, there's like now medical school there. Was your mom like ever that. like, Hey, they've got good engineering there. <laughs> like, it's, no, I'm good. No, I'm good. I'm good. I already made this choice. I'm dancing. Yeah. Um, and yeah. And then I went in, I got a grad assistantship and it was probably like in a year and a half or something. I was working in the writing lab. I was teaching undergrads, like how to write better essays. And then, got out of there and I went into a nonprofit and did a, I was on a creative team there. It's called destination imagination. They do like, um, I know those guys. Yeah. Yeah. They do like pre, uh, when they, like basically after school programming. So I was in their headquarters doing a lot of their creative writing and wow. like doing all our production. So, um, yeah. And I worked on a little creative team there. We kind of executed did a lot of different things. I kind of got, that was like, I would, 
equate it to agency like experience a little bit like hectic more hectic than that but um all over the map everything from like events to you know uh, curriculum to training materials to all that kind of stuff and um yeah and then i went out of there did like um worked for a company called beyond.com turned into next and then jumped out and did people metrics the apple next n-e-x-x-t so they okay. were like a career kind of network Got it. um i was a community editor there i basically was asked to build out like a content delivery sort of platform for um for like different skill sets and the way that worked was i'd sort of worked at destination imagination doing like um, programming for different sort of kids and skill sets sure um and then that just applied to what they were trying to do over there um and then i that was a big commute one i was living in philly at the time and doing this like commute to king of prussia and it was like oh, a brutal geez. i've been out brutal. there yeah it's brutal it's brutal it was, and everything yeah, there. Yeah, it was yeah. brutal because it was just and there's no shortcuts it was one of those things where like like ways had just come out and it was like just use ways you can find some shortcuts or it's like there's you know, one way it I doesn't mean, matter yeah. yeah it's like you're moving but you still kind of get in the same like it's still the same amount of time right um you know like it felt good for a second um yeah and then we and my wife and then i had met my wife somewhere in between there and we she got a job as a teacher um outside of the city and kind of moved out and then i found a job in the city for the first time i was living in the city for like eight years in philly um are you, are you actually found one nearby as opposed to having to commute i was well no there. i was like commuting out of the city so you like philly's got oh. a weird city tax set up so you're kind of paying a lot of money to oh geez to do that um anyway so but so we moved out just kind of north of the city um and and yeah, and then as soon as we moved, I basically found a job like in Center City. Oh, Jesus. So like, Damn it. Uh, so <laughs> like anyway, you I just commuted. left. You're like, I would have had a five minute commute just now. Exactly. And I Son spent about three or four years there. I think uh, that was the inbound content architect job. Yeah. I kind of changed to a marketing manager and I kind of built up their blog at that point. So that's where yeah, I really kind yeah, of learned yeah. all that and got some like industry awards for that blog and all that kind of stuff. Um, and just proving it out. Like, I don't know. It was kind of funny since the beginning, like when I was in that uh, associate account executive seat to sure. that point in time, my skill set became much, was much more valuable because people like marketing sort of understood that like we need to do content. Like I was going through old, old things uh, from that first job. And I, there was a presentation there about why content was important when I was like 23 yeah. years old or something. And like, I was sort of making the cases this upstart. Um, but you know, like it didn't yeah. take, you know, I just had to wait. It was like, you just had to wait you, and all of yeah. a sudden it was important. You know? Right. All of a sudden it's super important. Exactly. You know, if you were to look back on all these different things you've done, here's a hypothetical. Yeah, that's fine. I may or may not have a time machine in Nashua, New Hampshire. Can't use it now because of COVID, but when this thing gets done, let's say I let you borrow my time machine. Yeah. You go back in time and you visit yourself. Mm -hmm. And right after you graduated with that first degree, and you can tell yourself, you give yourself advice. What kind of things would you say to yourself? What kind of things would you advise and recommend? Do this, don't do that. I would say that it's just, part of it was just re like relax. Like it's going to take, it's going to take time. Like I think one of those things that you do when you come out, kind of come out, like it's, everybody's like hungry when they come out of college, right? Like you want right. to get out there. And then there's a compare, like I think the other part was like, don't compare yourself to other people that are doing other things. Like it's not comparable. Like your friend that's in this city or working that type of job is not comparable to you. Like that you're in this space, you have this degree, you're doing these things. So to me, it was just a, 
I think like kind of relaxing and also sort of like understanding that like it would take time. I think any like those sorts of things too I've noticed like I noticed over time too like when you make those decisions about like you know like maybe this isn't the job for me mm. and things like that and you get those like you get those like I gotta get out of here kind of things or whatever you yeah. know like there's it still takes like a year or something if you were going to pick a good one or something right like you still have to sort of like you just like calculate just try to make the best decision you can like kind of move in a direction that you think is better for you and then that's that that's what i would that's what i would tell him i don't know if he'd listen to me but like he's kind of a dick he'd be like screw you old man <laughs> like, like no you actually know. i am you <laughs> no um yeah i'd say get a dog sooner than you get you get know. a dog yeah, yeah. Get, get a dog god what are you waiting God. for? You have a dog now? I do, yeah. What so kind? I have a mix. He's like a res, like a rescue dog. I don't know. Oh, cool. It's like Bill Burr's joke. He's a free dog. Um, nah. Yeah. So he's a kind of combo. He's like a it's like he's a an independent voting dog. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> His party affiliation. <laughs> exactly. That's it. Yeah. He was just yeah. He was just sitting around. I, they said, "Do you want this one?" And I said, "That one's cool." Um, my, nice. my son was probably six months old when we got him. Uh, I went to like a event and. You know, I picked the one, we picked the one that was sleeping and kind of looked the most placid and he's been smart move as, yeah, he's been as advertised. He's been a very good <laughs> family dog. I just wasn't trying to buy an aspirational dog. You know what I mean? Like right. I'm going to get in shape using this dog. Like I wasn't, no, I'm not going to lie to myself like that. And the dog, no way. Dog will crush you <laughs> exactly, and then tear up your couch after the run. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Like I'm just going to be a realist here. I'm not going to wake up at five o'clock and run this dog. Like that's not going to happen. Like, right. you know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I can't, I, you know, I can certainly, you know, stay up late watching TV if the dog wants to, you know, exactly. hang out on the couch with me. Exactly. Totally got exactly. That. Just roll over and can pet his belly. It's good. We got a good thing. Like, here you go. Here's a treat. That's all. What's his We're name? We're all pepper. Pepper. Nice. Pepper. Yeah. Good dog. Pepper the good dog. Yeah. Hey, are you uh, are you still writing? I do occasionally. I do. You know, one of those. You ever things. turn those little little tiny cool observations into a story or a book? I do. Or? Yeah. I mean, I still I have some of my work still up on my website. It's like georgejacob.us. Um, there's some stories and some writing there, like more personally writing. I still yeah. write for you know for marketry occasionally and things like that. I do a lot of the editing on that side. You know, it takes a lot of the the, the um, solitary writing time uh goes away when you have a kid and a wife and a family and a house and all those sorts of things so there is a little bit of like bargaining i gotta sort out like how am i gonna especially and then because i have a computer job you know so it's just one of those things i'm always trying to work in like how do i do this in a way that doesn't feel like i'm just in front of a screen 24 7 trying to come up with ideas you know what i mean point (laughs) so i have like old a lot of like i'm a like i have a lot of paper and like a fountain pen sort of person that likes the feeling of it and i try to do things like that like make it more tactile and you know i wrote a i wrote a play um years ago um when actually when i was deployed to iraq Mm -hmm. um for something like six or seven months it was like the high speed low drag like searching places looking for bad guys really fun stuff right but then i had to do what everyone had to do one of those months, which is guard duty. Okay. Thankfully mine was at the end. So the, my last month there, like, great, you're on guard duty. And it was like the breakfast club. They like, oh, nice. some of those guys never were always on guard duty. Cause then yeah. they're like, eh, I don't know about these guys. So let's <laughs> right. 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 And, uh, and so I had to do my, my stint with them. So here I am like, well, I'll go home. Like just came off and doing missions and stuff. And now I'm yeah. like the guard duty 
breakfast oh, club man. you know yeah, like major pain kind of thing right like you're with yeah. the <laughs> yeah major pain and and i remember them putting me and we had this really fortunate we we took over this like old pleasure palace from uday or whatnot so mm-hmm. it had walls it had guard towers around the periphery because it was his old and he built a lake he like i like boat racing it's the desert yeah. let's make a lake so they made a lake and so <laughs> we were sort of guarding this this base and i just remember being on a guard tower for was it eight hours maybe um at a time and you're just by yourself and yeah. um and then man little bit isolation uh and like you said like i had one of those little books where it was just like what am i gonna write and eventually it was like let's write a comedy play (laughs) yeah just whatever at this point right no interruptions right and even though we're quarantined now you still have well for in a good way you have people around you but also you have people around you you know so yeah it is one of those things it's kind of like the like those and then just the responsibilities of being a dad and a parent and a homeowner and all that stuff just sort of adds up like there's those things that you just don't have like yeah when you're you know, in grad school, kind of just cut like doing it or whatever, you know, sure. like you're just kind of in the, you know, crappy apartment or whatever. Like for me, it was like just crappy apartment, like, you know, just typing up stuff all the time, yeah. like writing, you know, reading all the books and all that kind of stuff. So it's like that time, I just don't have it anymore. So, right. you know, I kind of like always kind of talk to myself about how I need to do it. But um, I don't know. I think it's like those things, like a, a time of life or something like that, where you're, sure. you know, I'd rather kind of hang out with my kid when he's awake, that kind of stuff, you know? Totally. So, and then you have the thing where you're like, well, I definitely could use this time now to get some dad time in, some husband time in. Yeah. But you also like, you know, you got to get your own time in too. Yeah, exactly. It's be tough. You yep, know? definitely. Yeah. Yeah. It's so always it like bar- bargaining those things, right? Especially it's like, oh, I got to go exercise. I got to do whatever, right? It's like these right. constant like sort of things. Like who am right. I trying to be? That's kind of that thing. So I don't know. I mean, I kind of, I do, I still read a good amount. I still like, um, talking to people about stories and things like that yeah. and do a lot of that. There's, there might be something I can like scratch with like a, I don't know, maybe like a, you know, teacher kind of thing. Like if I kind of teach at the local, <laughs> you know, local community yeah. college or something like that, sure. I might get that, I might scratch that itch. Sure. So, sure. Yeah. Something to, to just do that. I mean, for me, it's like theater. And so like podcasting kind of helps scratch that itch, but yeah, you got to get, find a way. And I think you, you turned your job into a way that helps you scratch that too. Yeah. there's something about that i think there's there's two pieces it's like the one is like a filtering sort of editing that's the one thing i'd say i learned most in grad school is like self-editing and editing more than the writing part it's more about like what is not necessary here or what what is the kill your darlings kind of thing like what do i yeah yeah do i just love the sentence because it took a while to write the sentence or is it worthwhile does it need to stay there so like that was a big part of my sort of learning process there and you know, what I do for clients is in that vein. It's like a lot about kind of cutting out the fat. Like, what do we need here? Um, yeah. And it's a little bit of a different one than sort of like the, and it kind of comes back to like destination imagination or something like that, where yeah. there's two sides of that creative muscle. It's like the, the, they call it idea generation. So it's like the brain of which brainstorming is one of the tools, right? So it's like, how do you come up with ideas, turn on that tap like that. And then there's the second part, which is basically the, um, Oh man, there's like a filter. It's basically like a filtering. Like what are the good ideas then, yeah. right? So you don't confuse those two steps. You sort of say like, we're just going to come up with ideas and then we're going to go back to say like, which are the good ideas? Right. Let's not worry Separated. about stupid so ideas. At the same time, you're shooting not down the same. all the ideas. Yeah. Exactly. Because yeah. then you sort of like always stifle the, right. the potentially good idea. So you always set the bar. Like let's come up with 50 ideas no matter what, you know? And then you're right. kind of coming up with ideas. It kind of creates that sort of space. Um, so I concentrate like sort of in those two veins but the writing part is like it's 
there is a solitary sort of thing about like mm -hmm. you picking the, you come up with the ideas and then you pick like the ordering of those ideas that yeah. you just won't get if you're working in marketing for a client or something like that, right? Like you don't make those choices. Like you kind of, you're making the choices for the client. So there is that little right. like filter switch there that, um, that I do miss a little bit. So yeah. And the customer too, right? Because if you're yeah. writing for the customer to our earlier point, you talked about earlier, you're not really writing it for you. You're writing it yeah. for them and you want them to understand it. Yep. But if you're writing for you in like a true sense, like a fiction or even yeah. sometimes nonfiction, but you're writing for you, you can make it sound however you want to sound. It's your, it's your call hundred percent. Yeah. It's the thing when you're, and, and it comes in a blog sometimes it's a, what we're doing now. Right. Like, so yeah. part of that, part of the interest or part of the compelling force or whatever is the thing like, okay, here's the premise. And then yeah. how does it go? into my brain and then come out like is that interesting or not there's a certain uniqueness to that or you know or a voice to that if you have the idea like the way you convey it versus me like there's something interesting about those things and um yeah the nonfiction part's just a, the same type of thing like how do you come to that realization how do you like you know the thing that started that sort of chapter or part of, yeah. part of the book right like what is the thing that drove that like if i was to talk about that moment in time I'm sitting in an Applebee's or Chili's or whatever it was with my mom. Like, what was that? Like, if yeah. I kind of dug into that, like, yeah. So it's just it's, a certain. Yeah. What do the seats feel like? Yeah. What cushy. Smell I think like? they were slippery. I feel like they had like vinyl, yeah. you know, like the sort of. They usually have that tiled table too mm -hmm. or whatnot. Mm -hmm. Something and, like that. I feel like it was darker. I feel like, so maybe Applebee's yeah. wasn't right. I feel like they were lighter. Oh, I feel like okay. it might've been like a, Applebee's. some sort of like just ch ch Chili's or like a sort of local shop, like a probably call know, her up and ask dark her wood. what it was. Yeah, she probably was probably like, mom, remember I broke your heart and said I wasn't going to be an engineer? Like, remember I said I wouldn't be able to support you uh, when you got older? <laughs> <laughs> you remember that? Yeah, where were remember we? Remember that? Yeah. yeah. She'll be like, we were in, a, we were in something completely different. Mm -hmm. and you're like, oh. oh. That was in the minivan. Um, I was yelling at you to recall. Like, I don't know. Oh, okay. <laughs> it sounded better in a Chili's. You know, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I like the thing where I seemed like I came to some realization and wasn't yeah. a blubbering mess. Well, you know, the, the whole kill your darlings thing, it just reminded me of um, when I wrote, I wrote this book on marketing automation mm -hmm. on Amazon now. Um, yeah. So uh, I originally, when I originally wrote it, it came out to something like 45,000 words. And then the publisher was like, you're contracted for 35,000 words. So here are your options. Um, make it 35,000 <laughs> words or and we're totally fine with this other option. You could just keep it at 45 and pay us 25 cents a word over. I don't so think you cut some words. The math, yeah. 10,000 times 25 cents. And you're like, all right, I'll trim a few things. It's cheaper to trim it. Yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll trim <laughs> yeah. it. And I remember getting to this one section. Um, it was called advanced dynamic content. It was all about doing some really advanced stuff with Pardot mm -hmm. marketing automation. And one of the things I'd written was a brief history on advanced dynamic content. And it was like three, three, three paragraphs, maybe three or four. And I was like, that's a really good section. And I thought, is this section worth, I did the math, it was like worth $750. No. <laughs> no, it is not. Uh, my money, right? Like now we we're talking down, real money. Yeah, yeah. We got down. And, and at first you're like, how am I ever going to do this? And you're like, this is terrible. But then what I realized afterward was probably a, a gift for the reader because yeah. it really cut out anything that didn't need to go in there. 
if I said it twice, it got removed. Like yep. we only have, we don't have time for that. We exactly. don't got time for telling you the core. I used content. to do that so much in the, so there, you'd get these uh, undergrads that would come into the writing lab and they'd ask yeah. you to help their, like maybe they were referred by a teacher or something like that. And there would be so many times that I would just cross off the first paragraph and just be like, you don't, I don't need to be involved in you figuring out what you're writing about. You know what I mean? Here's where you actually know yeah. what you're writing about. You'd get those like, since the beginning of like recorded time, there have always been like, you know, whatever, like marketing people or something like that. And you're like, this is dumb. Uh, we don't need this. Let's ah, just get, what's your point? It. You know what I mean? Red like, ink too? Point? Was it red? Yeah. I would use the red thing. I would always Boom. write something at the top and just be like, here's the rule. Like next time you come in, I don't want to, I don't want to see this thing again. So this is the one thing I want you to focus on this time. Like next time you bring your essay back and then we'll worry about that. Where I would do these little like the brackets and say like this paragraph is about this, right? So that's the main point. And then I would say, which one of these sentences does, does not belong here? And right. invariably they could find it, right? But it's just, they didn't have the, at that point too, I think like I had gone through a little bit more like structural, like learning about how sentences were, like when I was a kid, even just like yeah. noun, verb, objects, those sorts of things, indirect objects, weird things, but there were no words. Like they didn't have the same language. So you would always use like broader <laughs> right. terms, you know, so this is a modifier or this is a thing or whatever. So you'd always just sort of show them like, this is the shape. This is what you're doing here. You're muddling this. This just moves down to this paragraph, that kind of thing. Anyway. There's some, there's some expert wisdom coming off of that. We'll have to talk more. We'll have to come back on here and talk more uh, writing. But like, I was like, mm, maybe I'll send him a copy of my book. Maybe I won't if I get a copy back with a bunch of red on it. <laughs> it's fine. Do whichever one you want. If you where just were want you to hear a year ago? <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. Well, hey, where can people connect with you? They want to reach out, learn more, maybe get, get your, your help with some, some some writing, all that good stuff. Yeah, so there's two ways. I mean, my personal website's georgejacob.us. Um, and then what I'm doing for Marketry, you can visit that too, marketry.com, M-A-R-K-E-T-R-I.com. Uh, and you can see kind of what we're doing and probably some information there in terms of like, you know, if you look at my bio or something like that, you probably get to my LinkedIn page. Um, and yeah. So. Awesome. And then what about social, like LinkedIn, Twitter? I'm on LinkedIn a lot. Twitter, not so much. I kind of do. It's occasionally, um, I kind of, that's another one I sort of shelved over time. I'm like, oh man, I'm shoveling coal. Uh, <laughs> I don't have right. time for this anymore. Last tweet, July 10th, 2018. Oh, sh Shaming you on the podcast. God, it's just right into it. Yeah. Then, then I'd follow some... you, but you know, they, they limit now how many people can follow. Yeah. They do. Yeah, yeah, I'm not throwing anything valuable up there right yeah, now in yeah. the moment. No. Useless to me on Twitter. But yeah. okay, LinkedIn though. LinkedIn, I'm there. Yeah. 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 So that's a good place to go. And then, yeah, I mean, otherwise just reach out to me and we can chit chat. Well, I'm yeah, happy to talk. for sure. Yeah. People that you know, want to connect with you, they should put a little note in there saying they heard your, your podcast episode. Don't yeah, be great. a stalker. Don't sound, even if you accidentally sound like mm -hmm. a LinkedIn, like yeah. a cold call, just kind of add a little podcast in there so that they yeah george knows you're not one of those crazy people yeah i'll just know if the trainer reaches out to me about sales and covid times it'll be i, I, know, where he, I know where he's coming from yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well man this has been fun thanks for coming yeah, on here it. yeah and chatting marketing and telling us your story and all that yeah. good stuff yeah no problem thanks for having me for sure and for those listening if you learned something and i know you did because i literally have two pages of notes over here nice then uh share this with someone you know get get it out be a thought leader to like eight people.
right? Put it out on your LinkedIn, Twitter. Yeah, LinkedIn, you, you, you may be a thought leader to 500 people, not even realize it, right? So get this content out. The, the, the conversations we were having about the sniper versus the tank and, and picking your MVP in marketing, there's so many good things we talked about. And the idea of explaining what you do based on who the person is and how can we, how can we leverage that in our marketing writing, like all these really good concepts, get this information out to people so they can learn too. And uh, George, hey, thanks again, man. We got to stay in touch. I want to yeah, check back in post-COVID, see how things are going, and, uh, yeah. and get you on here again. All right. Thanks a lot, Casey. Appreciate it. Awesome. Well, for everyone out there listening to this Shazam, uh, this has been a Hardcore Marketing Show episode. We will catch you all next time. Thank <laughs> you.